Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of BS Thoughts with your host, Brian. And Janae. And today we're going to talk about a very interesting topic that needs to be talked about, especially given everything that's happened in the news and the media recently. We're going to talk about mental health among African Americans, which is a, a topic that's near and dear to my heart. Because yes, uh, in the black community, uh, we don't talk about it enough, in my opinion. Like we recognize that there are some issues that go on, but we don't go out and seek proper counseling or help with these matters. And we're going to go over some of those reasons as to why today. But this is something that definitely needs to be talked about among black people, among black mm-hmm. families, because there are certain things that we leave unchecked that affect us in the long run. And it's one of those weird things where it's like if you if you cut your arm, you put a Band-Aid on it. If you break your arm, you go to the doctor and get a cast. But if you're emotionally or mentally traumatized or hurt, you'll just let time and prayer take care of it. While prayer is an important thing and time does eventually heal all things, that's not always the case each and every time. We're going to touch on that today. I think a big part of that is because in our cultures, really, we're taught what goes on in this house stays in this house. Right. I can't count how many times I've heard, not even just in my own house, but, you know, in family members' houses and friends' houses where the parent will literally say, whatever goes on in this house stays in this house. Or my mom's favorite line was, if anybody asks you anything about me, you tell them, don't ask me, ask my mom. Right. So I, I think... It's more so it's 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 taught to us, mm-hmm. and if you seek counseling, I think a lot of times people think like, "Oh, you must be crazy if you're seeing a counselor or a therapist, you must be crazy, and that couldn't be further from the truth All right I agree that like in home we're taught that. It's a private thing. Mm-hmm. Family matters are family matters, and that's where they need to be. Mm-hmm. And that's actually one of the things, like, most black people will not go seek a therapist because of their worried about the negative label that comes from seeking a counselor. Mm-hmm. They're, they're worried about being labeled crazy that's or it. being looked at as the disorder as opposed to being afflicted by the disorder. And those are two big distinctions. There's a reason why in the mental health care field, you do not say that someone is necessarily the disorder they have. They are not that disorder. You are not bipolar. Right. You are not borderline personality disorder. You have, have it. It, it is disorder. afflicting you, and it's yeah. not. It does not define you. And there are issues that lead up to that, and we're going to go over that here today. But I agree with Janae is that in the households we keep these things more hush hush, mm-hmm. as opposed to like trying to go get help because it's like I said, if you got hurt a physical way, you put a band aid on it, you go to the store, you go to the doctor, you do whatever you have to do. Right. But when it's an emotional or mental trauma or mental harm, mm-hmm. you won't do it. Right. And that's always something that's always been a little peculiar but it's understandable because like in the black community we keep things we're very private people we are we don't bother our neighbors (laughs) we are we we're definitely and i think for the most part i think um as an adult though once once you become an adult you have and you start to notice how things affect you Mm -hmm. you have that option as an adult to say, okay, this is bothering me. This is affecting me. I need to speak to a professional about this. I don't know how to channel these emotions, whatever, you know, however it's affecting you, you know, people deal with trauma in different ways. Some people drink, some people do drugs, some people have sex, some people, you know, whatever their thing is. 
Um, and once you start to notice that it affects you negatively, you have that choice to say, okay, I need to speak to someone about this. That doesn't make you crazy. That makes you responsible. That makes you an adult because you're now choosing to fix something that has potential to actually break you. Correct. I agree with that. It's more so like most people who have mental issues, they they're aware of it. You're aware of your emotional highs and lows. You're aware that I get upset really, really quickly. This is a trigger. This is a trigger. This is a problem for me. It's just that people won't take that extra step to go get help. And there are reasons why. Mm -hmm. But I want to give a little bit of statistics out here so that way everybody can see, like, the correlations and the connections between things. Like, for instance, uh, 13.2% of the U.S. population identifies themselves as black. About 55% of black people live in the South, 18 live in the Midwest, 17 in the Northeast, 10 in the West Coast, apparently. However, black people historically had to have overcome some adversities that have hindered us today, that affect us today as people. Mm -hmm. Slavery, definitely being at the top of the list, Mm -hmm. sharecropping, and race-based exclusions from health, educational, social, and economic resources. Mm -hmm. What does all that mean? Well, it's very, very simple. These things have hindered our social economic status. It's not one of those things where it's like, oh, we're blaming everything on the system. Well, the system plays a role in it. When it hinders our access to to higher resources, the social economic and our social economic status, there is a link between mental health and access to resources and high social economic status. What that means is that you, in essence, most of the time, if you do not have a lot of money, if you live in poverty, if your people are impoverished, if your people are more likely to be homeless, if your people are more likely to be incarcerated, they're also more likely to have higher risk to have poor mental health, substance abuse or poor health overall, period. So these statistics cannot be ignored and they paint a picture where it's like a lot of people who are listening right now, you may or may not, but you may at least know somebody who grew up in an impoverished neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Who grew up in a single family home with just a mom who had to work multiple jobs, who might not have been able to afford to take you to therapy. That picture is prevalent among a lot of black people in America. I'm pretty sure it might be prevalent among a lot of black people globally. But here in America, that is a common upbringing for a lot of black people. Mm -hmm. And what it is, is that creates a situation that will affect you as an adult. Mm -hmm. Well, How will it affect you as an adult? I often tell people that. If you grew up in a single family home, you you were at a disadvantage. America was designed for a husband and a wife. The husband goes off to work. The wife stays at home, helps um, work, raises the kids, attends to their emotional needs. The dad comes home, does his part, tending to their emotional needs as well. But he provides the structure and the discipline. Right. However, if the dad is removed from the picture, the mom is stuck to do the role of mom and dad. She now has to go to work. And in some cases, work multiple jobs and in some cases end up on public assistance if it needs to be done. So she has to go to work, work multiple jobs, take you to school and then you have to come home. She comes home and now she has to cook, clean, go over your homework, organize bills, organize finances and then has to tend to your emotional needs. So when you go up to mom and say, hey, mom, it hurts. Mom, I got something to talk to. Mom is is exhausted by that time. Exactly. (laughs) Mommy is too tired. tired. So now she's being snappy. She's being short tempered. Mm -hmm. She's telling you to to fix it on your own and and go away. Right. That scenario right there has a long term effect. 
that right there, the image I just painted is the mom didn't validate the child's emotions. For instance, young males, young black males are often told, be quiet, be a man, be and shut up. You'll be okay. Stop crying. Stop it Suck it up. That has a long-term effect on your son. For the sheer fact that if you do not validate your son's emotions when he's sad, instead of telling him, like, be quiet, suck it up, help him process it. Because if you do not help him process it, it turns into resentment. Anger is usually a secondary emotion. It's usually the it's masking another emotion. Mm -hmm. Whereas where you tell your son, stop being a baby, be a man and suck it up. You didn't actually help him deal with whatever he was dealing with. He may have been sad for a valid reason. And by telling him that as he grows up, he knows that men shouldn't be sad. So whatever makes him sad turns into resentment to where he has to work out that frustration and potentially attack what made him sad. These are just this isn't like the definitive like this is what happens, but it's just an example of like how it grows to that point. And so. They're, that's actually pretty spot on, though. Yeah. Like that's, yeah. Because it's, it's, a, it's a common household thing you yeah. find among people. Whereas, like, people will often say that in America that you pull yourself up by your bootstraps. It's, it's called rugged individualism where <laughs> any person can work hard and they can be successful. Even Barack Obama became president. But that's not true of all people. That plays a role because psychology has shown that society's issues can affect your neighborhood, Mm -hmm. which can affect your household. And that is a problem for you growing up to be healthy sometimes. Mm -hmm. Most people know they have a a mental health issue. They just don't know the process of going to seek help or they just have misconceptions about it. Like, for instance, uh, research has shown that black African-Americans hold a belief related to the stigma and psychological openness of seeking help itself. Mm -hmm. They try to find coping behaviors of their own. I.e. the drinking. I.e. the drinking, hypersexuality and things like that. But Mm -hmm. these behaviors aren't necessarily helping Mm -hmm. all because they're worried about being mislabeled by their diagnosis, unwilling to be open about needing mental health. And then not to mention, um, 32 percent of the participants who were reported in the study about mental illness or receiving treatment for mental illness. um, A lot of people actually say that they're worried that they won't find a black therapist. There is a underrepresentation of black therapists within the field of counseling. Mm-hmm. And that plays a big role in it as well. That's true. And I know that to be true for a fact. Um, personally, when I was looking for a therapist, I specifically wanted a African-American female mm-hmm. therapist. It was hard. It was really hard to find because even when you have resources, they'll they'll give you resources. And then once you, you know, do your research, because you don't want to just go and sit down with anyone. And once you do your research on, you know, these doctors, you realize, like, I don't want to speak to someone who has you can't you can't relate to me. Right. And that's not to say that, you know, um, a white therapist can't help you. But I need somebody who can almost relate to me in some type of way. And, and even if you can't relate to me, you know, on a personal level, you still can kind of feel me and you understand, right. you know, I, and it's hard. It, it really is hard to find a good, you know, a good uh, African-American therapist. It is. Right. And I, I, what you said is accurate and true. Like, it's not to say that white therapists cannot relate to black people, but it's more so you would rather go to someone that looks like you that can understand exactly. your struggle. The exactly. the black struggle is unique. I'm pretty sure that 
uh, white therapists relate to white clients exactly. a lot easier than black therapists can relate to white clients, and that's Absolutely. the same thing that you, black you people want. You can't relate. Right. You don't. You don't have the same struggles I have, so you can't. And that's not to take away anything from them. It's just you can't relate. Right. And I, I misquoted the the last statistic I gave within the study that I was reading. Only thirty percent of the participants reported having a mental illness mm-hmm. and were receiving treatment for that study. But another thing that comes up is that. Um, African-Americans are willing to acknowledge they have a psychological problems, but they're somewhat they're only somewhat open to seeking mental health, but not fully willing to deal with it uh, mm-hmm. or not deal with it, but go get mental health. Mm-hmm. And it's because, one of the reasons was because of what we just talked about right there, the lack of representation yeah. with a black therapist, because this is true. There is mm-hmm. not enough. There are not enough black therapists or black counselors within the f- field of mental health to help black people. But that's not to say that black people shouldn't go out and seek mental health because mental health isn't just about the mind. It's also about emotions as well. You're and one thing that Janae likes to say on the show is that her father, who sounds like a very, very wise man, <laughs> will say that your emotions are selfish. They are. They are. Your emotions are very powerful. Yeah. Emotions are energy and motion. Feelings are the recognition of those emotions. Mm -hmm. The thing is, a lot of people, when they're not taught properly how to regulate or deal with their emotions, they will become overwhelmed by them. They won't even be aware that they're becoming overwhelmed by them. Something as simple as like teaching your child to take a step back and process things, right? That sounds very simple to some listeners, but doesn't sound as easy to others listening right now. Mm -hmm. And you become overwhelmed and you make a decision. That can ultimately hinder you or potentially land you in a legal situation. Yeah, definitely. And a lot of times people, they don't realize that, one, mental health, mental illness is real, especially in children. And I say specifically in children right now, because I feel like when you're a child and things happen to you, you're not always going to be a child. Mm -hmm. Eventually, you are going to grow up and you're going to be an adult. And right. once you are an adult, you still remember all of those things that were an issue for you as a child, whatever they might be. Now, as an adult, it's affecting you, mm-hmm. whether it be your parents, you know, your neighborhood, whatever the situation is, your family, whatever the situation is. You will remember that. You will remember that. And so it's important that when your children are going through things, you can't just brush them off. You can't. Be, and these kids, especially today, because these kids go through a lot of things. They go through so many things. You can't just brush your children off. You can't, you can't, um, you can't just ignore them. You have to be able to, and, and that's not to say spoil your children because kids right. play a lot of mind games too. <laughs> but but you, that's not to say, you know, spoil them. But at the same time, you need to be aware of your children's emotional well-being. Correct. You and, have to. And Janae is 100% correct. What it is is that um, it's kind of like dropping a stone in a lake. You drop, it creates one ripple and then it would eventually create a long spanning one that covers the entire lake. Mm -hmm. What you do to your child now or what you do not do to your child now will affect their ability to have healthy relationships in the future. And you can look at your own life and remember those moments for those who are listening right now. I'm willing to bet that you can remember a, a point in your life where your parents did something that affected you 
later on in life. And it doesn't need to be something as extreme as like molestation or child abuse or anything like that. Just one phrase that a dad or a mom could say to their mm-hmm. kid, like an overweight child being told they're fat, fat by mm-hmm. their parent. That that might have happened when they're four. The parent might have brain dumped it years later, but you as a child, that stuck with you for so long that you felt body shamed. Yeah. That you felt some type of way. That it, it altered the course disorder. of your Exactly. <laughs> it, it altered the course of your life yeah. to where all you looked at was that issue mm-hmm. right there. So the thing is that Janae is right. You have to help your child recognize their emotions. And I've t- I've talked to her about it because this is one of my research things is um you have to be able to sit your child down and help them to process their emotions. Mm-hmm. You you have to help them process the way they think of things. Yeah. Because what it is is that you have to remember that you as an adult don't fully have a firm grasp of reality, right? You're still as an adult, even to this day, even in this moment, learning the, so, the subtle nuances to being an adult. Mm-hmm. Society and life is tough. They're children. They definitely do not fully understand things. Exactly. So it starts with a little bit of you educating yourself and then educating your child. That's a big one mm-hmm. because you have to recognize it for yourself in order to be able to help your children. Correct. Like, for instance, if you're an African-American male, black male that grew up here in D.C., for instance, if you grew up in a Section 8 neighborhood, Section 8 housing like mm-hmm. I did, your response to a lot of issues could be violence. Yep, you know, he's being disrespectful. Don't right? walk up on me. Don't walk up on me. Don't talk to me that way. <laughs> yeah. That's the way that your worldview helps you process the world. Exactly. I'm going to uh, deal with it with an aggressive uh, response. Mm-hmm. And you get rewarded from it in some way, shape, or form along the path to where it becomes a habit. But you as a parent could potentially curb that way of thinking. Sit your child down and talk to them. Have you fully gone over like alternatives for this behavior? Right. Like yelling at them, punching them. What what would that help you accomplish, son or daughter? Right. How would that help you? Mm-hmm. You know, like there are other ways of doing it. Something as simple as that, because these are the, the tools that will help long term mental issues for mm-hmm. literally a lot of things start as a child. It's not to say that it can't happen as an adult, but mm-hmm. things that affect you as a kid sitting down and telling your son instead of telling your son. And I'm only using this as an example. Um, instead of telling your son, be quiet, be a man, mm-hmm. stop crying. Why not help him walk through that process of crying? No one wants a crying man. I got that. But no one wants an abusive man either. By not letting your son process things, Mm -hmm. by not showing your son that, hey, there are certain times when it's okay to cry and when it's not. Okay, it's okay to cry. It's okay to feel that feeling, that emotion, because emotions are there for a reason. But there are times where you got to pick and choose when you want to do it. So another thing that I wanted to point out was... um, where is it at? I'm sorry, I lost it on the computer screen. Uh, what we talked about earlier is true. Less than 2%, according to one study, less than 2% of the APA, that's the American Psychological Association members, are black slash African American. Mm-hmm. There is an underrepresentation of African Americans within the mental health field. African American clients, potential clients and patients who have gone to see therapists have reported experiencing racism and microaggression from their non-African-American or black therapists. These are all things that are true. So earlier when we talked about like black people are worried about 
people that won't understand and struggle yep. or won't find a black therapist. This is true, but I would encourage you to not give up because that fear is, is very much real. And I'm, I'm mm-hmm. going to give you th- that validating point that, yes, like you want someone to be culturally aware of who, where you are as a people. Exactly. You don't want no one to look at you and be like, yeah, but is it really society's problem mm-hmm. for you? Or is it just or you? Is it not, you? Or is it you, right? right? Because we all know for everybody who's listening that is African-American, that is black, you know very well just looking at history that no society does attack the black community and if Definitely. you're a, a non-african american person i encourage you to look at your history because it's true just look at the whole civil rights movement yeah. <laughs> and the fbi definitely was attacking the civil rights movement at the time but there are some common um, mental disorders that can be found among a lot of people but these are the ones common mental health disorders among african americans and these include major depression uh, attention deficit hyperactivity disorder adhd suicide and that's actually very common among african-american men apparently Mm -hmm. and ptsd Mm -hmm. if you are of the mindset that we don't need to talk to nobody we can deal with it in-house we'll take care of our issues in-house or we can go to church and pray i'm not saying that you cannot go to church and pray if you listen to our previous podcast i am a big um supporter of faith i'm a big supporter of of God and religion and spirituality. And I think those are tools that will help you and you need to connect to a higher being. But I would also encourage you to not just speak to your pastor, but go speak to a professional. Just because there are underrepresentation of black people in counseling doesn't mean that you stop trying to find one that you can relate to. Black people are underrepresented and underrepresented in a lot of categories and overrepresented in a lot of other mm-hmm. categories. Right. But that doesn't mean that you stop. Right. If you wouldn't stop trying to find a doctor if you couldn't find. Uh, when I say a doctor, I mean like a physician. Right. You wouldn't just stop trying to see a black do- uh, a doctor if you couldn't find a black doctor. No, you would just go find a doctor of another race that can help you. Right. So don't treat your mental health that way. Yeah. And a lot of the things can just be taken care of just by sitting down and talking to them. You know, it's therapy um, can actually bring out things that you didn't necessarily like, you you might have thought it before but it can actually bring out things in you that you didn't know were affecting you honestly you didn't know that this might be a problem therapy can bring that out for you and a lot of times you hear people our people specifically when they say like oh you know when I was a child my mom or my dad used to beat the crap out of me and it made me the person that I am today what you're honestly saying is that that affects you yes because of all the other things that your parents did to make you the person you are today they made you study they you know they made you come in before the street lights they didn't let you join a gang they didn't let you you know of all the things that you could have said, what you said was, my parent, my person, whatever, they used to beat the crap out of me. Right. Why is that the thing that you need to put on display of all other things that, you know, of all the all of the positive things that your parents might have done to make you this great person? Why is that the one thing that has to be put on display? Because like you just said, I agree with you, Janae. It, it affected you. One yeah. of the increasers... To um, mental health issues is an exposure to violence. Mm -hmm. It doesn't necessarily just have to be like a traumatic situation involving like a gun, but abuse. I'm not saying that you shouldn't spank your child. Spanking has its place. It does. But the thing is, it's like 
within our community, within the black community, there's a lot of black people who, who take pride in knowing that they grew up in a household where like, nah, my mom wasn't having it. She beat me. Yeah. Or my dad beat me. It's like one of those things where it's like, it's a generational thing. Mm-hmm. I, I personally think that it's a byproduct of slavery where you would discipline the slave by beating him to where when slavery was emancipated and then after the reconstruction era and everything else, and we started to have our own homes mm-hmm. and we took that same line of generational trauma and thinking into our households mm-hmm. and started beating our children yeah. in order to correct a deficiency where maybe talking is more useful. Yeah. Talking has a lot more impact than just beating because it allows you to relate to your child. I would encourage any parent that if you if you grew up in a household where your mom and dad's first response to anything you did was yell at you or beat or you, hit you or or hit you or beat you, <laughs> I would encourage yeah. you to ask yourself how did that affect you as a person? Yeah. And are you perpetu do you feel satisfied in that? Are you perpetuating that cycle of trauma because yeah. there are certain things that just a conversation just a man-to-man conversation from father to son mm-hmm. or a woman-to-woman conversation from mommy to daughter or a daddy-daughter conversation right. or a mommy-son conversation can iron that out a little bit more smoother because at the end of the day, you have to realize that your kids are going to do what they think will help them achieve their goal. Mm-hmm. If whatever that goal is like, I'm hungry, I want to snack, mommy won't let me get a snack, let me go in there and take it alive. I want to sneak it. I want to sneak it. sneak snacks. Whereas <laughs> you'll come in, you're frustrated because it's like, I, ha- I don't have a lot of income. I don't have a lot of money. I got to balance this budget and you're out here taking snacks. It's supposed to last you for lunch at school. I'm not saying you need to make your child aware of your financial situation, but instead of just snapping at the child, why not explain to them that, hey, look, this serves a purpose. Mm -hmm. You eat this now, you do not get it for lunch at school. Just something like that. So that way they have a bigger picture here. And I think that is the big difference between us and a lot of other races. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that other races don't beat their children. I just personally think that we're too quick to beat our children and it creates an issue later on. I agree. And because everything doesn't warrant a beating. No, it does not. Everything doesn't. And and because my children, I'm not like the big disciplinary. Like that's just, it's not me because not that I don't recognize that my children are children, but I also recognize my children are people. They are human beings. Correct. They are. I'm just not about to be beaten on them like that. Like it's it's not my thing, you know. A lot of people, you know, they feel like if you do, you know, beatings and all that, it works. I personally, I don't think so. Correct. I- because you can beat your child as much as you want. And if your child actually has a problem going on, mm-hmm. you'll never recognize the problem because you keep beating the hell out of your children. So the- You'll never know what the actual problem is. And Janae's right. There's a lot of truth in what she's saying. For instance, um... A lot of parents find themselves shocked that their children didn't come and talk to them about a major issue. And the reason why your child probably didn't come and talk to you about the major issue is because in the past, when the child has tried to speak to the parent about a major issue, they exploded or they beat them. The thing is, you flip it and the child feels like I am now the victim. And so I can't come to you and tell you certain things. And that's bad because your children should know that you can tell me anything. Mm -hmm. There's nothing too good or too bad that you can't tell me. And my mom used to say that all the time. Like, I don't care what it is. You can tell me. And this is very true. You have to create an environment where your child feels comfortable coming to you. This isn't to say that, like I said earlier, I'm not saying take spanking your child off the table. 
there are certain instances where it's, it's, it's on the table. Yeah, like and abuse. Yeah. It's a big difference. Your child runs into the street. You might want to spank them on that one. Yeah. Your child sneaking in the kitchen and they're stealing snacks. I don't necessarily think that this is. I don't think that that warrants a spanking. Now, granted, over time, if you get fed up and it's like we've tried talking, let's try something else. Right. I can I can see the justification in it. But the thing is, is just that we are too quick to spank our children as opposed to talk and teach. When your child acts up, it's a teachable moment. It's a teachable moment in that you're going to teach your child alternative options to what they did. Because if you just say, stop, don't do that. You didn't give them an alternative why? option. Exactly. And it's not even just just why. It's more so, I would say, it's like, well, what do you want me to do then? Because it's like, why did you steal the candy from the store? I wanted it. Okay. Well, why didn't you go pay for it? With what money? You can go easily go get a job. Things like that. Mm-hmm. The, the issue is that people think that certain things are just common knowledge. You will look at your child and be like, don't you know this? Well, there's a chance that they, they don't. They don't. Because you haven't told them. <laughs> And you have to sit down and take that that extra effort to explain to your child. Now, if you're already doing it, I would say keep doing it. But this is more so for the parents who aren't doing it. Like use spanking as a, as a as a last means. Mm-hmm. Try other things first. Yeah, take away things. Um, also, children they not only listen to what you're saying, they watch what you do. Correct. So if you have a child that likes to curse, mm-hmm. you can't tell your child. I better not hear you cursing. When you curse, not only do you curse, but you curse at your children. You can't say, I better not hear you walking around. I'm going to beat your ass. When that's all you say to your children is, I'm going to beat your ass. So your child is now saying that to their friends and whoever else. And you, you know, you happen to overhear it. You can't go beat them. Or, I mean, you can because y'all do. But you shouldn't Mm -hmm. because all they're doing is. They're doing what they learn, what they see, what they hear. Right. Because it's uh, your child is smarter than what you know. Your child is easily able to pick up on emotions and body language. <laughs> yeah, they're able to pick up on um, body language and emotions the exact same way that an adult is. So mm-hmm. they know when tension's there. Yeah. And there's a reason why we're, we're, we're talking about your interaction with your child is because it's like we said earlier, what happens early on in your life will affect you as an adult. Exactly. Not teaching your child how to process emotions can cause what's called emotional dysregulation. Mm-hmm. Um, and an emotional dysregulation is an inability to properly regulate intense emotions, right? So one of the contributing factors to that is an invalidating environment. Mm-hmm. An invalidating environment is the one that we talked about earlier, where it's like you do not um, validate where your child is at emotionally. You don't tell them that what they're feeling is real. Mm-hmm. You tell your son or your daughter stop crying, stop being a baby as opposed to listening to them hearing them out and letting them know I hear what you're saying. I know what you're feeling is real. You can even say mommy would deal with it in a second or you could say how about this? Let me, let's see where we can help you get to a better answer so that way you can stop feeling this way. Right. That curves a lot of the emotional problems. Mm-hmm. What you're teaching your child in that moment, that teachable moment that we talked about, mm-hmm. is how to deal with that moment of sadness right. or even that moment of rage. Like your son comes to you, mom, I'm real upset. This person did this, X, Y, Z, and the third. All right, sit down and talk to him. Or dad, sit down and talk to him. What do you want to do? I want to punch him in the face. Okay, that's an option, but then what happens after that? I might get in trouble. Exactly. That's your so, question. There you go. What's another thing you can do? 
I don't got to hang around the kid. I can limit my time with them, things like that. Mm-hmm. You're sitting down and you're teaching them alternative behaviors. It's doing so much good in the long run because when your child's out here as an adult and they're dealing with people they don't like that cause anger in them, like they're in a relationship that's not bad for them. They're not staying there putting their hands on somebody's right. daughter. Exactly. They're vacating. They're like, nah, this isn't working. I don't got this. time for this. Exactly. I'm leaving. Exactly. And that's why we're harping on um, the child situation right mm-hmm. now, because you as an adult listening to this podcast, you've experienced it growing up and you know, some of y'all know that the way your parents probably raised you wasn't right. And you struggle with it right now. Mm-hmm. Like, you know that my thinking is off, my yeah. emotions are off. Mm-hmm. And that's why we're going to deal with that part later on. But we just want to kind of like give just little tips of how it starts, of how it starts mm-hmm. and how you can stop that generational situation. Exactly. Oh, that, that's exactly what I was going to say. Exactly. It becomes generational. You don't want that. <clears throat> you, you do re- not. You do not want that. A lot of people um, with their children, a lot of us, you know, with kids, it's a thing is like, I'm big and you're small. Mm-hmm. So you have to do what I say. You have to listen to, you have to do exactly what it is that I'm telling you to do because I said so. Mm-hmm. And that's true because children, they should listen to their parents. They, you know, it's almost like you better listen. Right. But at the same time, you should listen to your children too. And I learned you that should. with my four-year-old. Mm-hmm. My four-year-old, he is the type, if you tell him something... He'll listen, and it's and it's almost like you almost want to pop him in the mouth because he's still talking, mm-hmm. and he will say to you, "Okay, but all I was trying to tell you exactly was." And you know, the first time he said that to me, I think I like almost lost my mind. Mm-hmm. And then when I thought about it, I'm like, his line of reasoning was right. He's four, exactly. so let me. You know what I mean? Sometimes you have to put yourself in that moment. You right. have to put yourself in in that child's shoes, like. You cannot just shut your kids up every time they say something. Whether you're too tired to listen, to deal, you can't do that. Janae is right. What it is, is when you listen to your child, when you sit down and do that teachable moment to go over like how they feel or how they think, you would be surprised as an adult that when they give their perspective, what Janae just said is true. Her son gave her a four-year-old perspective. My daughter would give me a 10-year-old perspective. Perspective. I'm sorry. They're going to give you a perspective and you're going to see the flaw in that thinking. And it's like, Mm -hmm. I, if you take a moment to look at it and go, I can see how a 10-year-old would think that way because you're only 10. 10. Let me give you this 30-something, 20-something, 40-something years of alternative solutions. That's why you have to be quick to listen less to beat yeah. or less to yell. Ask your child, like, why would you do that? Now, they may say, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. And you will get frustrated. Take a breather, then come back. Give the punishment out. You know, mm-hmm. Make them go to timeout. Do whatever it is that you do. That I don't and know. It's very frustrating. It is. It, it is, is a very, very frustration, frustrating is. thing. But you as a parent, you can't expect the teacher to be patient with your child you when aren't. you aren't. Yeah. You have to remember that when you come to your child, Let's let's say you listen to this podcast and you take it and run with it and you do these things with your child. The stuff that we're recommending that you implement, it's not going to just happen Overnight. that day. It's going to take time. And you got to remember when you come to your child and say, what's wrong? What are you doing? Mm-hmm. Just in that monotone voice, it's intimidating. Mm-hmm. Your child views you as 
the provider, the protector, and the punisher. Mm -hmm. They know that if they say something wrong prior to this point, you're going to spaz on them. You're going to yell at them. You're going to, you know, come down on them hard. Mm -hmm. Whereas it's going to take time for them to feel comfortable. But the thing is, as time goes on and they get more comfortable, you will begin to see that, okay, that's that's the 12-year-old logic. That's Mm -hmm. the 16-year-old logic. Well, here's some other options. And you you really got to just be patient and hear them out and hear what they have to say. It's not to say that, are they going to do the halo effect? Will they lie? Of course they will. But the, the beauty of that is, you know your child. Yeah. You know when your child's telling the truth. Mm-hmm. You know when your child's lying. And if you don't know, you'll learn as time goes on. Yeah. But the thing is, talking does more long term than spanking yeah. or just flat out not listening. Because when you don't give your child a voice to speak for themselves mm-hmm. as an adult, they're going to probably end up in a relationship with somebody that's dominating and not use that voice because they were never taught how yeah. you have to, especially fathers with little girls, you have to, and even mothers with little girls, you have to teach your baby girl how to use her voice when she feels something is wrong. So that way, when she doesn't end up, when she ends up in a relationship with the wrong person, because it will happen and that wrong person may be violent or aggressive, mm-hmm. she'll learn how to use her voice and, yeah. and leave. Like, I'm no, not I'm not dealing with this. with this. Exactly. I deserve better than this. Exactly. Also, um, a lot of times when you have, you know, we're quick to say, oh, that's a badass kid. Like that kid is bad that, you know, sometimes you have to really figure out what's going on with my child and I mean you know I I would say when I was in elementary school in the 90s you know it was like it was always that one bad child in the class you know Mm -hmm. this child was hard-headed this child didn't listen you know whatever but this child's mom was also you know on drugs really bad you know, their house was the trap house. Well, the cra- well, trap house is new, but the crack house back right, in the yeah. day, you know. And it, it would be things like that that would affect the child and why they are, you know, acting this way. Nowadays, well, back then, we didn't really hear of ADD and ADHD. Yeah. I don't think I really heard that term until I was grown, honestly. Mm-hmm. I think I, I don't even think that I knew that term in high school. I think it was it wasn't until I became grown that I knew what that was. Um and it is a very real thing. People, not people, children, they do have ADD and they do have ADHD. And that's not to say, you know, put your kids on all of this medicine and all that. I'm not saying that, but what I'm saying is Find out what's wrong with your child before you just go beating the hell out of them all the time. They could really be going through something mentally Mm -hmm. and they need help. They don't know how to express themselves. They don't know what to do. They just, you know, and they need help. And you need you as the parent. It's your job to get your child help. Not to just well, this worked for me as a, when I was when I was a kid. My mom did this and my mom did that. That's not okay. How did you feel when your mom was beating on you? Right, I agree with that. And the funny thing you put about ADHD is, um, I'm gonna segue to this next point: is that um, 
Only about one quarter of African Americans seek mental health, mm-hmm. compared to forty percent of white people who will go seek mental health. Yep. And two of the reasons why is that uh, social economic factors, which is why it's come up again, because it plays a big role in it. Mm-hmm. Um, lack of access to resources mm-hmm. that plays a big uh, issue because not a lot of people can afford it. Not a lot of people, black people have insurances, insurance. And not a lot of black people can afford to go. But also historically, African-Americans are worried about the issue of the distrust in diagnosing. Mm -hmm. They're worried about being misdiagnosed Mm -hmm. due to inadequate treatment from a lack of cultural understanding. That simply means that you are worried about being misdiagnosed by your therapist because they may not understand you. And one of the examples I give is that... um, when you are when you go to church, you're supposed to have a day to day relationship with God to the point where it is encouraged mm-hmm. to speak to God every day. And your pastor would tell you to wait and see what he says back to you. God is who he's referring to. Now, if you go to a therapist, which has happened in the past and you tell your therapist, you talk to God. And your therapist says, do you hear him back? And they go, yes, every day. You could potentially be misdiagnosed with schizophrenia. Is that an extreme example? Yes, it is. But these are some of the things that black people are worried about when they don't seek a therapist that's of their same race. So ADHD, like there may be something wrong with your child. And I just I would be remiss to not point this out. But a lot of diagnoses are subjective. They're based upon whether you meet criteria from the DSM, the Diagnostic Statistic Manual. And the current edition is edition five. And it's based upon therapists. Um, uh, perception of do you meet that criteria based upon the information they get from you mm-hmm. and mixed diagnoses are out there and ADHD is one of the most um, prevalently commonly misdiagnoses among African-American children but that's not to say that what Chug said isn't valid like find out you are the parent of your child you know your child better than anybody else right. find out what's going on with your child is your child talk to them um, seeking attention mm-hmm. are you giving your child and, and you know a lot of times that does happen when you have multiple children and then you have that one child that's acting out mm-hmm. sometimes you know they are just seeking attention they need just a little bit more you know to feel relevant to feel like they belong and that's okay because they're a child right There's, it's okay is is it is Adults do that too. Adults they, they, they do show out because too, they yes. they want to be the center of attention. So if you can imagine being an adult that feels like I need more attention, whether it's in your relationship, your your job, your career, you know, oh, I just have to go, I have to be a little extra because I'm trying to be recognized. Right. Children go through that as well. It's basically it's, it's okay. Like you just need to Tune in a little more. Right. Basically, what we're getting at is just one of the big things that can help you is to just talk to your child, um, mm-hmm. figure out where they are, have a build a, a a healthy relationship with them. Not to say that you haven't, but mm-hmm. do they feel comfortable coming to you about anything? Are you quick to spank them? Do you let them know that what they're feeling is real? And do you show them how to deal with that emotion? Um, are there cries for help? Absolutely. But I would encourage you to try to get your child a therapist if you feel that your child has um, a mental or emotional issue. But oh, were you want to say something? A flip side to that also um, is not even just on a negative, like you will beat your kids, but sometimes, and, and I know this in my own personal life with my own children, you know, my friends will probably say like, oh, nay is crazy. You know, like nay is crazy. But my children, 
my children don't know that side of me. And I choose not to show my children a temper or an attitude because in my own personal life as a child, things that have happened to me, I felt like I know my mom crazy as hell. And I also I can't tell her this because mm-hmm. I know how my mom is. Mm-hmm. And so you have to be careful even with that. You can't show your children, you know, and, and, and I say this all the time for my kids, like I will rob, steal, kill. I will die for them. Mm-hmm. I say it all the time and I will. But I can't say that to my children right. because sometimes love is the problem. Right. Sometimes love is sometimes love is the problem when you know and I speaking from from personal experiences, I know that when you come from a family that does love you, that they will do anything for you. If anybody harms you, they're gonna deal with it. Coming from a family like that, sometimes you almost feel like, Am I worthy of all the backlash that's gonna come behind if I tell my parents something. So sometimes you have to watch for those type of things too. It's not always just about beating your kids, but it's also other behaviors that you show your children. You don't want to show your children that you're crazy as hell. Well, yeah, you don't want to perpetuate that, you, that you cycle. You like, don't. Yeah, you don't want you to don't do, want that to do that if you feel that, well, if, if it's a problem, you definitely don't want to perpetuate it. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I don't. You don't want to perpetuate yeah, that cycle. Be, and, and, and I say that because, like we said, children—they are smart. Children mm-hmm. are very smart. And as a young child, I was very mature. I've always had a very old soul. And so I, I even if I wasn't a talker, I was a listener, mm-hmm. and I watched everything. And there were things, you know, at six, seven, eight years old that I knew that some 12 year olds probably didn't know, you know, but I knew that, okay, I know the type of person my mom is. I know what type of uncles I have. I know what type of dad I have. I know what type of stepdad I have. And there are things that children will try to take on themselves. And so what you do is you keep it to yourself and you don't say anything because you know how big this thing is going to be. And you don't want that. You know, it's already a bad thing and you don't want it to be worse. Um, So you have to be careful of that, too, of behaviors that you display to your children around your friends, things that you talk about in front of your children. All children aren't meant to hear everything. I agree. You you have you, to. You have to monitor what you say. You can't let your children watch everything. And you cannot be. And you have to watch your children around, around other children. You do. You you. She's Janae is right. You, if you want to have an adult event, don't have your kids don't there. Don't have your kids there because they're gonna mirror what they see. Kids are, yeah. Especially if they they fully embrace and identify with you know like this is my mom, this is my mm-hmm. dad. I, I want to be like them. You got to be careful. You got to emulate certain traits that you mm-hmm. want. One one thing is I always say is like, are you raising your child to be the man that for my for the single parent moms out there? Are you raising your child to be the man that you would want to be with? Are you right. are you laying a healthy foundation for him to go out here to be a great husband for another woman? For the father to say the same thing, are you raising your daughter to be a woman you would want to be with? Are you laying a foundation for her to be a great wife? Mm-hmm. Are you laying the foundation of showing your child how they're supposed to interact with the opposite sex? Are you for teaching instance, your child to be a decent human, human being? being? Yeah. Like moms, are you when you interact with your son, 
Are you interacting with him in a way that is showing him that this is how a woman should interact with their uh, with a man? Like mm-hmm. these the, the interactions that they have. Same thing with with uh, fathers and their daughters. Yeah. You just want to be the role model for your child so that way when they get out here, they know what right looks like yeah. and they know what wrong is. And many of you probably knew that, but it just, it helps to hear it from somebody else sometimes. Mm-hmm. It might resonate more. And now as an adult, if you ever just get a chance to sit down and just think about it, you know, when your children aren't around, of course, you want to just sit down, you want to think about how you were raised and how you are raising your children. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you might not realize that things that you have gone through as a child, now as an adult, you are it's it's affecting how you parent your children. Mm-hmm. You know. So I, I would encourage that. that's actually a good transition point. Like for instance, if you're an adult and you're having an issue right now, you should you should go seek someone and talk to them. Mm-hmm. You should. A lot of things can can uh, help the transition to going to seek help is just doing a little bit of education yourself. Like, for instance, there is somebody listening right now who emotions literally control their actions. Mm-hmm. What it is, is people you can look at people uh, when you can approach people by looking at them like this. You have a triangle. At one point, you have emotions. The other point, you have behaviors and the other point you have thoughts. Right. Your emotions can grow so far out of control that they consume your thoughts to where now your thoughts are fueling your emotions and it forces you to act mm-hmm. where you haven't even processed everything because your emotions charged everything. Oh, there's a point where your thoughts can cause an emotion and they're fueling each other and it forces you to act. There's somebody out there that suffers from their emotions growing out of control and you notice it or you notice that your thoughts betray you. You think the most absurd things that may or may not be true. And if they are true, you take it to an extreme action that you don't mean to do. Like for instance, people ruin relationships by overreacting. When a person does something wrong, they're wrong. Do they need to be held accountable? They do. There's a difference between holding your partner accountable and punishing them. It's if you, a huge difference. Yeah, if you punish them, you will hit a point where you can't return. And mm-hmm. the thing is, that becomes a common practice in your life to where you punish every person in your relationship sphere. Mm-hmm. And I'm not just talking like boyfriend and girlfriend. I'm talking best friend, best friend, coworker, things like that. Right. And you're struggling to maintain healthy relationships. Right. There's a person that's like that out there that's listening. And I would encourage you to do something as simple as get a book and read about different things for yourself you can get a a mindful meditation book you can get a dialectic behavior therapy book you can educate yourself to the nuances of things that'll get you started on the right track and going to see therapy the thing is is that we're encouraging you to get out there and talk to somebody for the sheer fact that it's you know if it's hindering you you know if it's been a a setback in your life that you can't deal with your emotions or the way you view things so you just act on impulse and You're just going and going. That's the worst because you can't even, and this almost sounds funny, but like you can't even believe everything you think sometimes. Sometimes you cannot. No. You, you can't because the mind will create its own illusions. Correct. You know, by just linking all types of crazy, you know, not crazy thoughts, but just all types of thoughts that actually have no connection whatsoever right. and a lot of times i think we call that overthinking you do you can't people you know, will we overthink, call it overthinking yeah. um and sometimes you just can't do that no you can for you instance can. like you you may have experienced in the past that 
and I'm going to use relationships as an example, that these three past men cheated on me. Mm-hmm. And this person is showing those signs of those same three. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying you should negate your experience, but I shouldn't say I'm what I am saying is that those experiences shouldn't trump what's going on right now. Mm-hmm. Don't let a past mistake force your hand for your current situation. The thing is, is that when Janae said overthinking, what it is, is people have this innate desire to be consistent with what they say and what they think you will go out of your way to confirm Mm -hmm. what your belief is Mm -hmm. whether it's there or not you will see things that you want to see is your worldview will force you to see things that may not be there Mm -hmm. so you don't want to overthink because in a lot of issues is that we think things to confirm our feelings to confirm our emotions much bigger than they actually have to be and that is trickling down to your interaction with not just your child Mm -hmm. but with your interaction with people period yes and even even as far as your children are concerned if you have a look at your children your children they mirror you Mm -hmm. so you might see in your children things that remind you of when you were a child you know Mm -hmm. one of the craziest things and I've actually had to like sit back and I laugh about it sometimes is that one of the craziest things is trying to discipline the you out of your own children mm-hmm. it's funny sometimes if you ever just pay attention to your children it's like like my son he daydreams a lot mm-hmm. and I used to get in trouble a lot for daydreaming not that I'm ignoring you I literally I don't hear you mm-hmm. and it's not that I'm not trying to hear you I just don't hear you and my son does it and it drives me crazy his dad does it and so he has it bad because his dad will not hear you either his dad will talk and you will talk to his dad and he won't hear you he's not ignoring you he just don't he doesn't hear you and now my son has that and so it's like hello you didn't hear me you didn't hear me it's like no i didn't hear you what'd you say you're sitting right next to me how did you not hear and then sometimes you have to just think like, I do that crap all the time. I can't even be mad at you because I do that. I'm trying to discipline the the me out of you. It doesn't work like that. Hey, I don't. Me personally, like it's uh, there's no handbook to to raising kids. They no. they have books out there, but what it is is I always tell people that if it's affecting you, if it's affecting you. Mm-hmm. On your day-to-day basis, or you see something that's affecting your child on a daily basis that's not positive, seek it's help. time to go get help. Yeah, that's that's help. the biggest thing. But if you are out there and you're an adult, it's not too late. Mm-hmm. It's really not. What it is is you just have to recognize that I need to take the steps to go get it done. Mm-hmm. Is it difficult? Of course it is. If it because you you might not be in a financial position in order to uh, get to that point. Right. But they have programs out there that will help you. They have resources out there that will help you. But mm-hmm. I often encourage people that. Just read up on mental health, period. Yeah. There are several books out there that you can read. A lot of people who uh, suffer with uh, mental health issues, they, they go to the therapist and the therapist will teach you techniques. Techniques that you can use in order to better your interaction the with people and to process I your thoughts. in therapy was journaling. Yeah, journaling is one of the I biggest mean, techniques that it, relieve a lot of it, tension. It will. I mean, it would wake, things would bother me. It would wake me up from my sleep. And mm-hmm. I would wake up 2, 3 o'clock in the morning. At first, I kept calling. I was like, this is insomnia, you know. But once I started journaling, I'm like, no, this is not insomnia. Like, this, this is something that's bothering me. Right. Like, I needed to release this. I would write 
and then I would sleep so well. Yeah, so journaling in itself is therapeutic because mm-hmm. what it what it is is that your thoughts are running rampant with your emotions, producing potentially anxiety. You're trying to organize your thoughts, and you don't know exactly how to pinpoint it. Mm-hmm. Journaling helps you to organize and structure your thoughts, and it presents a sense of relief, yeah, both definitely. mentally and, and emotionally. It's like, okay, that's what it was. That's what I was thinking. Things not- that bother you that you wouldn't necessarily say out loud to another person, you can write that. You can. You can write those things. And but it took me to go to therapy to learn that, right. you know, and to learn why it would help. You know, it. I am an advocate. Like, I feel strongly about it. Like, if you need help, seek it. Right. Go I, get it. Another very useful technique that you can do on your own. It's, it's very popular in modern clinical practice today Mm -hmm. and i want to say that like the top richest people in america do it every day it's called mindful meditation what it is is that um it's it's a it's a religious practice that came from from the eastern part of the world particularly in, in buddha what it is is that um you sit and you you meditate on your breathing for like three to five minutes and they've done enough studies to show that within just a five minute span it decreases stress it decreases anxiety it decreases being overwhelmed by your emotions. It helps people to think logically. It helps them to process their emotions and it helps them to see a clear picture of what's going on. Because a lot of things is that we emotionally process things mm-hmm. faster than we mentally and logically appraise it. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's a survival mechanism that's allowed mankind to live throughout all these years among animals. You quickly see something and you get a feeling of danger, so you run from it before you even knew exactly what it was. Fast forward mm-hmm. to the to that to today's modern society, you're emotionally appraising a response that your partner gives you faster than what you process what they heard. Mindful meditation has been shown to actually help people deal with that overwhelming sense of emotion to focus on what's going on. It takes about five minutes of your time. You could do it every day. You could do it every other day, but you will notice a big difference mm-hmm. in your emotions and in your thoughts just by doing it for five minutes whenever right. you get a chance. I encourage people to Google it because we are well aware that some people just can't afford it mm-hmm. or some people can't afford it and will make an excuse about it. Some people will go to a therapist and have one bad experience and never go back. You wouldn't do that with a physician. If you had one bad experience at a local hospital where your arm was broke, you wouldn't stop seeing all physicians. You would just keep going to the next one. You I should know, do that with mental health care. That one. Exactly. Yeah, are there bad ones out there? Of course, of course there are. But there are plenty of good ones as well. Yeah. And also, if you realize that you do have a problem, that doesn't make you crazy. No, it does it not. It makes you smart. Yes. It makes you smarter because you realize there's a problem. I obviously, I need help. I, obvi- I obviously need help. So I'm going to go seek the help that I need. That helps you. That, that is makes, a strong person, right that, there. And you have to, and you have to be honest with yourself. You, do. you know, you have to be honest with yourself. There are plenty of adults who walk around with things that nobody, like no one else in the world knows. Correct. And, and and I used to be like one of those people. Things that I would never tell, even to some of my closest friends, not to you know the person I'm in a relationship with. Things that I would literally say, oh, this is between me and God. Correct. These, these, whatever it is that I'm thinking, whatever it is that I'm feeling. And 
I have so many, you know, I'm like a self-proclaimed, <laughs> you know, therapist because mm-hmm. so many people confide in me. And I feel like sometimes I even get overwhelmed with that. And I told my therapist that I sometimes get so overwhelmed with other people's problems that sometimes I just have to kind of remove myself. I will put my phone on do not disturb. Like, then I, I come back to my phone. So I'll kind of text messages like, where you been? I've been calling. I've been texting. But the thing is, is that sometimes you have to just kind of take a step back because you become overwhelmed with mm-hmm. things. And so now I'm holding things that I would only take to my grave about myself. But now I'm holding your secrets too. Hmm. Go see a therapist. In counseling, that's called self-care. Yeah, you you yeah, have to like you take have care to. of yourself. You have to. And it's a very important thing. Like, Chug, I'm sorry, Janae brought up a point <laughs> where she, uh, <laughs> Janae brought up a point where it's like, you know, it's between her and God. We we often talk about on this podcast that faith and spirituality play a role. They're, mm-hmm. they're, they help in the recovery process, but it's not the only, only option. option right? I'm not saying that you're talking to your pastor and praying to God won't fix it. I'm not saying that at all. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying that there are other avenues that can help with that process yeah. as well. Exactly. For, for, I am a very, very spiritual person. I, my faith guides my walk. I want to finish my doctorate to counsel, specifically counsel black people within black communities because I notice there's deficiency there and I want to do that my part. Right. And I also want to educate people. You know, continue to be a college professor and teach. And I specifically want to teach our people because there's a lack of a representation. And all of that came from my connection to God Mm -hmm. that's willing me to do this. Mm -hmm. The thing is, is that faith in God will help you. They will. Is that all you need? I will always tell you, yes, God is all you ever need. However, God has put this ability of counseling, this, this, these concepts out there to help, to you, help you in that journey. And the reason why we're harping on this is because if you recognize it in yourself and you go get help, it won't transfer to your child. Mm-hmm. And then your child won't go out here and it's suffer. That's how you break or, generational curses. That's right. how you break all those generational just. Yeah. And we want you to live a, a happier, healthier life. But it starts with you recognizing it in you. Mm-hmm. There are techniques you can use. There are techniques you can look up. Google is free. Yeah. If you are sitting at home and you're just watching reality TV, that's your thing. You can do that. It takes all of 10 minutes out of that time to mm-hmm. Google mental health. And to while Google you're techniques. watching all this reality TV, guess what? They're quick to go to therapy. Yeah, they are. Reality TV. Yes, they are. I <laughs> will tell you in a second. Like, yeah, I'm going to... Very fast. They they are. People, and I, I think, like I said earlier, a lot of us don't want to go because we have that thing in our mind, which is a generational thing. What goes on in this house stays in this house. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, if, you, if you're seeing a therapist, you must be crazy. Something must be wrong with you. Well, duh, something mm-hmm. is wrong with me. That's why I'm going. And whatever it is that's wrong with me, it's none of your business. Another thing is people... <laughs> but you need you need that help. Yeah, people don't need to know if you're going to therapy or not. They if don't. you're worried about that, they do not need to know. They don't. And even then, it's not... This is for your betterment, mm-hmm. not theirs. It's not for their appeasement. Because yep. the issue is this, is that you recognize the problem mm-hmm. in yourself. 
You want to correct it so you can live a healthier life. Mm -hmm. Don't let another person who doesn't live in your body and in your head every day Mm -hmm. dissuade you from getting help. If you got shot, would that same person be like, oh, you got shot. That must be your fault. Yeah. Yeah, Bet you you won't go to a doctor. No, you won't go to the doctor regardless of what they say, right? Mm -hmm. You should treat your mental health, your emotional Mm -hmm. health the exact same way. Absolutely. Absolutely. uh, I got nothing else. Yeah. That was... I think we covered it. So, if you have any <laughs> questions, you want to talk to us, you can email us at thoughts mm-hmm. <laughs> at gmail.com. And you can just put whatever you want in there. You love us. You hate us. You want to shout out on the podcast. <laughs> we'll read them. You we'll, want to come on the podcast. You, you want to come on the podcast. Yeah. You can email us. Mm-hmm. You want us to talk about something. You want to hear our thoughts on something. Mm-hmm. We'll read it off and we'll have you come on. All right. Be tuned in next week for the next episode of BS Thoughts. Bye.